recording in progress. Amen. Good morning, church. I wish more people were here, but whatever be the case, we are still going to have a service. Amen. Uh, are we sure we are experiencing daylight savings time? It doesn't look like we've entered into the spring. I keep on asking, why is the spring weather? It's cold. It's rainy. I don't know whether it's environmental. You know, they say those only, yeah, it's thinning away. They talk about global warming and all that stuff. Or I don't know whether it's apocalyptic. <laughs> you know, when people hear the word apocalypse, they start to have heart palpitations. Uh, like, don't talk about the end of the world. Talk about the end of the world. We say we are Christians, but yet we are afraid of the end of the world. Amen. <laughs> is, is it the end of the world? Is it the sign, signs of the times? Because this weather, I don't know where it comes from. Uh, whichever way, we are glad to be alive. We are glad to be here. And uh, we, we, we are content and we rejoice. Amen. Let's pray and let's start off. Um, this morning's session. Father, we thank you for this morning as we come before your holy word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, who is the master instructor, who is the anointed teacher that will lead us into all truth. Thank you that your word comes with it. It's accompanying power of transformation. We thank you that the word will be ministered in simplicity and clarity to your speech, yet in the fullness and in the power of your spirit. We thank you, Lord, that my tongue this morning is the pen of a ready writer, ready to inscribe the truth as it's been inspired, being led, and being directed by your holy will and holy word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we are continuing our series on the Lordship of Jesus Christ from the book of John. And today is part 74, and I'm ministering under the sub-theme, The Other Side of Discipleship. Please go with me to John chapter 15, verse 18 to 27. John chapter 15, verse 18 to 27. So today we wrap up chapter 15, and next week, God willing, uh, we'll be picking up chapter 16. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world will have its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. 20. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, 
and you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Last week, we looked at verses 9 to 17 of this same chapter where Jesus exhorted the disciples to abide in his life. And we are also his disciples. You see, we've, we've talked about abiding for quite a time, a period of time. And we understand from scripture that we are not just to abide in Christ, but we must also abide in his love. And when we abide in Christ's love, it is then that we are able to love the brethren, that's our kinfolk, those who share the same Christian faith with us, and also love our neighbor, love man in general. You know, there are some people who are very mean, and they say they are Christians, very mean-spirited, and they can't easily forgive, and, you know, their human relations are poor. One of the reasons might be you are not abiding in this love. We abide in this love, love becomes the hallmark. And Jesus once says something in John chapter 13, verse 35 A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. And he said, By this, people will know that you are my disciples. What would distinctly mark us out as children of the kingdom of light is love, not prayer. This, this month, another faith is engaged in intensive fasting and prayer for 30 days or for how many days? I think it's 30. You know, and it's not it's not the Christian faith. It's a different, it's a different religious faith altogether. So people pray, people fast who are not Christians. But Jesus is saying that people will know that we are Christians. We are distinctly marked out because we love. It's not because of our giving. Many people give. Even there are people who don't need to be Christians who give. Just this week I was reading one of the celebrities, Michael Jordan, he made a donation to Make-A-Wish America, $10 million. It's the largest donation in the history of the existence of Make-A-Wish Foundation. Is Michael Jordan a Christian? I don't really know, but Honestly, it doesn't take being a Christian to dole out millions of dollars. Are you understanding me? So that is not what will distinctly mark us out as Christians. What will mark us out as Christians is love for one another. But that will happen when we make a concerted effort to abide in Christ's love. We also realize that Jesus called his disciples friends. Uh, who are now in the know of the master's counsel and plan. And like I said in, in times past during our teaching, a servant was not privy to the plans and the agenda of the master. I mean, those days, if you were a servant, you were really a servant. There was a big difference between a servant and a son. A servant doesn't wear shirts. He's bare-chested. If you see the one that is wearing clothes, that's the son. If you see the one that's bare-chested, that's the servant. If you see the one with the earring on the right ear, that's the servant. There are things that differentiated. There's the servant doesn't wear sandals. You know, so you are just treated, it's like you are even relegated. You see the real difference between a son and a servant. And most importantly, a servant receives an inheritance. A servant leaves with nothing. Your job is just to serve at the feet and, you know, um, and at the beck and call of the master. 
and that's it. Uh, but Jesus called us friends. You see, this is not just to his immediate audience who are the disciples. This is also to us. We are friends of God. We are in the know of the master's counsel. The gospel is no longer a mystery. It's no longer a mystery. The gospel is as clear as day, it's as plain as light. We are friends of God. And we God has chosen us to bear for fruit that our fruit will remain. And Jesus emphasized on God answering our prayers. Have you realized that the last two or three chapters of John, the issue of answer prayers keep coming up? And when we look at John chapter 16, we will see Jesus talking about prayer again. One of the things that I believe Jesus wanted to highlight to the disciples and to us at large is that God answers prayer. So believe in prayer. Make prayer a habit. He speaks about it often. If you read the book of Matthew chapter 7, he talks about it. God answers prayer. When you read Luke chapter 18, he talks about it. God answers prayer. And a plethora of scriptures and the gospels. God answers prayer. God is interested in the prayers of the saints. God answers prayer. When you come to God and when you have a prayer request, he is not going to turn you away. So Jesus is exhorting us, pray because God answers prayer. And last week we looked at it. He answers prayers. When we pray to God our Father in the name of his son Jesus, we should know we will receive answer prayers. And of course, God also wants our joy to be full. And your joy can be full when you experience answers to prayer, when your desires are met through you petitioning God in the form of prayer. Our joy becomes, and God is happy. God becomes elated when our joy becomes full. So we should make it a habit to pray. Amen. The only prerequisite to that is that just flow according to his will. That's all. Flow according to his will. Sometimes prayer becomes tedious. Uh, it can even become a, a tad upsetting when you've prayed, you've spent hours, and then you're like, Lord, you've not answered my prayer. It's not that God doesn't want you to answer your prayer. Fulfill the prerequisites. Are you fruit-bearing? Are you abiding in this love? You know, just be obedient. When you are walking in obedience or when you are abiding, there is no way that God will not answer the prayer of the righteous. So let's just fulfill the prerequisite. Otherwise, when we don't fulfill the prerequisite, we will come up with all sorts of cooked theories on prayer, which is not even real. You know, it, it, your, your cooked theories on prayer may be a result of you walking in disobedience. Not because you are abiding. Okay? Because when Jesus talked about prayer, nowhere did he say yes, no, and wait. Please show me the scripture. So how have Christians come up with so many cooked theories on Christ will say or God will say yes, no, and wait? And we come up with so many strange theories on prayer, which are not even biblically founded, by the way. Not biblically founded. We just use our own personal experience, interpret it, and we look for a scripture to back it. That is not how you preach. You don't preach by, you know, inserting yourself in the story and using a scripture to validate your experience. 
you preach by letting the scripture say what it says and allow it even to challenge you and then present it as it is to your audience. That's how to preach, not the other way around. Don't come with your experience, your own preconceived idea. It's like, let me look for a scripture that will support my experience that is strong. So I really believe strongly that some of the teachings we have on prayer are very ungodly and anti-Christian because Jesus, who is the author of prayer? I mean, Jesus prays more than Paul. Paul will only know how to pray because of what Jesus has given him by revelation. And if Jesus is saying that our Father in heaven delights in answering our prayers, listeners, let's make it a point to pray, but let's make sure that we are fulfilling the prerequisites. Amen. I think one day, if God should impress upon my heart, we need to really talk on prayer. Amen. Especially it's in the pursuit of Christ, I think prayer is a very good topic to look at. Now, in today's scripture, we just read something that underscores to us the price of being a disciple. And we should brace ourselves for impact when it comes to being a disciple of our master because there is an unpleasant feel to it. You see, Jesus didn't just talk to his disciples about the blessedness of discipleship. Uh, he gave them the whole pie of being a disciple, including the not-so-nice parts of it. Have you, have, have, you, have you met a salesman that sold you a product? He told you all the nice parts about it, and you took the product home, only to realize they are some not-so-nice parts about it. And then when you ask him about it, he will say, it's in the fine print. You know, well, a salesman is smart. If he's going to give you the whole pie, it will affect his commission. So for him not to be implicated and not to be on the wrong side of the law, he will give you the manual, which includes all the fine prints with all the not-so-nice details. Uh, for, for so that he can also prevent himself from being sued, you know. But Jesus was not that way. He he gave the whole power. He gave a big spill on discipleship. Look, there, there is a blessing in being a disciple. You bear four fruits. There's a blessing in being a disciple. You have the Holy Spirit who who will lead you into all truth. The Holy Spirit will be there with you. It's a blessing being a disciple because one day you are going to go to a place called heaven. In my father's house are many mansions. Told them all the nice parts about it. But here he's talking about not so nice, the part of being a disciple. And it's real. He starts with the world's hatred of us. Many believers don't hatred. So they conform bend and yield to compromise. I think my recording just cut out. But like I was saying, Christ started with the world's hatred of us. And many believers don't want to be committed to the cause of Christ. They don't want to be committed to the kingdom of God because they want to be liked. That is it. Many believers don't want to experience Hatred, so they conform, bend, and yield to compromise, like I said before the recording cut out. But that's the price to pay. 
Ladies and gentlemen, there is a not so nice part of being a disciple. There's an unpleasant feel of being a disciple. And we, we can't scurry over it. It needs to be talked about. The world will hate you if you're a disciple of Christ. And for those of us who are afraid of being hated and we are addicted to affirmation, get ready. The world will hate you. The world will hate you. It's part of the sufferings of being a disciple of Christ. The world will hate us. And for this very reason, many Christians don't want to be committed to Christ because they don't want to pay the price of being hated. And one day Jesus on earth said that, woe unto you if everybody speaks well of you. Everybody can't speak well of you. They can't. When the Bible talks to us about the world, especially in the New Testament, it normally talks about two things. One, it talks about the cosmic planetary arrangement of the earth. That's known as the world. So like where we live now, we call it the world, right? The arrangement of the earth is the world. The second definition of the world is the system that governs the earth. The system that governs the earth, which the devil is in charge, is also called the world. That's why in Christian parlance, we use words like worldly. And when we are talking about worldly, we are not talking about the earth. We are talking about a system which the devil is in charge. It's worldly. That means it is the antithesis of the gospel and of Christ. But in this particular scripture, when the Bible uses the phrase the world, it's actually talking about ungodly men who are alienated from God and who are hostile to the cause of God. So it's not referring to any of the two definitions I gave. It's rather talking about ungodly men who are alienated from God and who are hostile to the cause of God. Look, we will be hated by the world, ungodly men. Ungodly men who are in power who want to suppress our voice. Ungodly men who don't know Christ, who are hostile to the cause of Christ, will hate us. This is part of being a disciple of Christ. You see, Jesus didn't want to leave anything to chance. He wanted to make sure that I let me give you the whole pie of the message of discipleship. There is a cost. You will be hated. And when, when the Bible uses the word hate, it means that they will hate us to the point of wanting to harm us. Why would someone want to harm you? Christian brother, Christian sister. Why will somebody want to harm you? But ungodly men who are hostile to the cause of Christ will want to harm us because they hate us. And four things we should know from our passage that Jesus shared with the disciples. He says, if we are of the world, that means if we are like ungodly men, ungodly men will love its own. So we are, we, are, we are not part of ungodly men. That is why they will hate us. So Christian brother, Christian sister, 
if for the sake of your faith, you are experiencing hatred, that is okay. You know, there is a remnant in Hollywood who are Christians, and they are really suffering. I remember sometime I was just watching an interview. I became very fascinated. I think one of the Sundays after church, I was listening to quite a number of them. Many of them don't have rules because they said, I'm a Christian. Many of them are not making money. They make one movie and then that's it. It will take probably about years before they will get rules given to them. All for the sake of, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. Or even some of them don't even have to be Christians. Just having a conservative view. You know, having a conservative view and supporting that party, they are two different things. Some may have conservative views of marriage. Some may have conservative views of the family. Some may have conservative views of how children should be raised. That alone is even frowned upon in Hollywood. And there are people who are suffering for that. So the world will hate us because the Bible says, we are not of its own. Even today, you will see the great temptation of pastors trying to sound woke. Because that is the trendy thing. You have to be with the people. But if you want to be a, a disciple, a faithful disciple of Christ, look, be prepared to be hated. You will be hated. And thank God that Christ didn't hide this message, that we will experience it by surprise. He let us know it's in the Bible. If you are living out your Christian faith and you are hated, welcome to Discipleship 101. You will be hated. The second reason that Christ gave was the world will hate us because a servant is not greater than his master. If Christ is hated, are you not going to be hated? Are we not following Christ? If you are following Christ, the Christ that you are following, he was hated by ungodly men who were hostile to his cause, who were hostile to his message, you will also be hated. Get that fact clear. Let that truth sink in your spirit. You will be hated because a servant is not greater than his master. The third thing is that we will be persecuted for our faith because they persecuted Christ. And that's Christian suffering. When our views are divergent to the views of the world, we'll be persecuted. When our causes are divergent to the cause of the world, we will be persecuted. When our message is divergent to the, to the message of the world, we will be persecuted. It is part of discipleship. Discipleship is not only about experiencing blessing, experiencing the blessings of new creation realities. All that is true, but we will be hated. Hatred is part of the curriculum of discipleship. Are you prepared to take it? It's not taking one sweet pie and then leaving the others. You don't have a choice. It's the whole pie. You 
can't disseminate what you want to choose is the whole pie. Being a disciple, you will be hated. If Christ was persecuted, you will be persecuted. And the fourth thing that Christ said was, if they kept his word or his testimony, they will keep yours. And the meaning which is inferred here is, we will receive the same reception that Christ had when the gospel is preached. So there's another side of discipleship, is hatred. But too many Christians are compromising because they don't want to experience that part of discipleship. But that doesn't make you a disciple. Woe unto you if everybody speaks well of you. The world can't speak well of you. Ungodly men who are hostile to the cause of Christ, hostile to the message of Christ, should not have a good testimony of you when it comes to your faith, not when it comes to your attitude, not when it comes to your character, but for the course of your faith. They can't have a good testimony of you because our messages, our visions, our dreams, our, our aspirations are divergent and there should be a problem. And it is okay. It is called Christianity. It is called discipleship. The world will hate you. Now, Jesus said that all these things will be done to us for his name's sake because they do not know God who sends Christ. Don't be too angry or too worked up over an evil person's plot against you because of your Christian faith. Because know that he or she doesn't know Christ. Christ then gave a chilling warning to the disciples about the Jews that they have no excuse for their sin because he came. If he didn't come, then they had no sin. But since he has come, they have no excuse. And why would Jesus go on to say that? Jesus will go on to say that because he made his works clear. And that's why he could say that. And let me tell you something here. Christ, who will be our great judge, will be a fair judge. Because on the last day of reckoning, anybody who will be judged will one way or another have an awareness of who God is. The question is, did they believe? You know, sometimes people want to ask questions like, what about people who have never believed God? That's not my problem. I'm not the judge. But God is going to be fair. Why is he going to be fair? Because I believe that Anybody who will be judged at one way or another, they may have had an awareness of God. This week, I was just reading a scripture in Romans 1.16. And, and the Bible says that the Lord gave them up to their vile affections. Do you know why he gave them up to their vile affections? Read that scripture carefully because they knew who God was. They knew who God was. They had an awareness of who God was but they just refused to accept and believe God. So God gave them over. The worst sinner, I'm telling you, may have an awareness of who God is. That was what that scripture ministered to me about. So when God is judging 
And when he's sentencing people to their destinations, it's not because he's not a fair God. It is consistent with his fairness because he's going to make sure that each and every one of us on this planet will have a fair knowing and awareness of who God is. That's the reality. I just find out just this week, Romans 1. I got stuck there for some time like, oh my God. Christ will be our great judge. And Christ said something. He said, the Jews hate me. But they don't just hate me, they hate my father. And you see that today. People want to say that I love God, but they have a problem with accepting Christ as God. You hate God, the Father, then. It's not just okay to say Christ is the son of Mary. It's not okay to say Christ is a prophet. It's not okay to say Christ is a good teacher. But Christ is God. That's the reason of the book of John. You see, the whole book of John, like I, I said, you know, some about 73 parts ago, the, the introduction to the book of John is believing Christ as the son of God. Believing Christ as God. That's the key word here. The key word is believe. That's the most common word in the book of John. Believe. It all comes to believe. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Jesus is Lord, you don't love the Father. The Jews have no excuse for their sin. Because, like I said, they saw Christ's works. Christ came to authenticate himself as the divine by his works and also by what he said. Christ then talked about the scripture being fulfilled in Psalm 35 verse 19, which says that they hated me without a cause. So that also goes on to explain to us the truthfulness of the Bible. And that's why Christ was prophesied by Isaiah that he will come in the volume of the book, meaning he came to fulfill every prophecy in the Bible. That's why the Bible is a real book. Amen. But most importantly, to become effective disciples and go through effective discipleship, Jesus closed out chapter 15 with the Holy Spirit. And there are three things Jesus said that we have to note about the Holy Spirit. He's called the helper. He proceeds from the Father and he's the Spirit of truth. He's the helper. And I, if, I, if you all do remember, I, I did some exegesis on who the helper is. There are six words that define the helper. Uh, it's somewhere in our series. You will get it because I'm out of time. I don't want to go through that. But he's the helper. He proceeds from the Father. The Holy Spirit doesn't proceed from hell. The Holy Spirit is not the spirit of error. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father. He's from God. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. So in the book of John, we are now getting the concept of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Like I said, Trinity is not really in the Bible. It's a Latin word, okay? But it, it encapsulates the biblical position of God in three persons. Three co-eternal, co-existing persons making the Trinity. Amen. Now, what would the Holy Spirit do? Two things. He testifies of Christ and he 
bears witness. He testifies of Christ. That's to bear, that's to bear witness. And he helps the believer to testify. That scripture is in Acts 1.8. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will have power to be my witness. What does it mean to be a witness? To testify, to give evidence. That's the way to give evidence. What evidence are you given? I'm given evidence of the existence of God in my life. That's witnessing. You are bearing witness. You are given evidence. You are given evidence of something that you have experienced or you have seen. That's why you are called into the court of the law to give witness. You give evidence. You attest to the fact. You are attesting to the fact that Christ is Lord. It's the Holy Spirit that will help us to do that. But for you to be an effective disciple, you will have to learn about the Holy Spirit through, you will have to learn about Christ through the Holy Spirit's testimony of Christ. Are you understanding me? That who is the Holy Spirit testifying of Christ to? The believer. For us to become effective disciples, we have to be under the discipleship of the Holy Spirit's testimony of Christ to us. And then we can also now give a testimony or bear witness to the world. We can't become effective disciples without the Holy Spirit. Our prayer today is, Lord, help us to be godly disciples. And being a godly disciple, there is an element of hate in it. It's unpleasant. It's not so nice, but it's okay. I want you to know that it is okay when your views are divergent with the world. It is okay when your aspirations are divergent with the world. It's okay. You will be hated. And like Jesus said, you will even be hated without a cause just because you embrace this precious thing called the Christian faith. But today, I just want you to know that it is okay. Don't run away from the hate. Don't run away from the hate. Because when you run away from the hate, you are not embracing the whole package and the whole deal of discipleship. Don't change your confession. Don't change what God has told you about marriage. Even though the world may not agree with that, don't change it. And yes, you will be hated. But it's being a disciple. Lord, make us godly disciples. Make us godly disciples. Make us godly disciples. We embrace the whole package. Make our hearts hard like that of a flint so that we can be godly disciples and please you, O Lord, because you are the only one that deserves our pleasure. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.